Welcome to Glitchcast, episode number 37. Mm. This week, we got a, a jam-packed episode, it seems. We, there's a fair amount of news. I don't know like how in-depth with all the news stories we're going to really go. They're all just kind of like main-level stuff. But then we have four things to talk about. We have a new Netflix movie, Like Father. Sharp Objects, the uh, TV series on HBO. Castle Rock, the sort of Stephen King universe show on hulu and then who is america sasha baron cohen's new show on showtime we're gonna basically all those are midway through the season so we're gonna we're gonna kind of cover them catch you up on it a little bit some high level plot stuff high level thoughts see if maybe we can convince you guys to jump in or to skip it depending on how we and uh yeah we want to apologize that we're not going to be covering christopher robin in depth um i know it was very tempting for both of us to go see that and cover that one but um yeah, we'll be skipping that for now. I heard it's delightful, though. <laughs> really? I heard it was boring as hell. <laughs> well, fair enough. I saw I saw an, I saw a headline that said Christopher Robin is so depressing that Eeyore feels like a bright spot. I was like, oh my god, what? Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's what I'm talking about. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see it eventually, but mm-hmm. we can't talk about it for like a half, forty five minutes. Yeah. All right. Let's um, dive in. Movie news. Netflix has acquired George Orwell's Animal Farm, a uh, pretty famous uh, novel from the 50s, I think. Uh, Andy Serkis is going to yes. direct it with Matt Reeves producing. Matt Reeves is the the Planet of the Apes guy. Uh, I believe he's going to be – he's supposed to be directing a Batman movie, right? If that ever happens, yeah. yeah he's yeah. been in talks with it forever. Um, we don't know An- if Affleck's in or out. <laughs> yeah, no, no one knows what's going on. Uh, but Andy Serkis, this will be his second directing uh, outing here after Mowgli, which actually just got sold to Netflix as well. So I guess he's building up a nice thing. This is going to be performance capture. Animal Farm, if you don't know about it, is about uh, animals on a farm that rebel against their their human owners. Yeah, it's it's a dark story, actually. So we'll see if he takes the same tone as the Jungle Book movie, and maybe this will just be his new niche. Maybe it's going to be all performance capture, like I said. Uh, yeah. So I, I assume he'll probably play one of the characters, right? Feels like absolutely. He Hopefully, he up. brings back the Smeagol voice. <laughs> I hope not. This is terrifying. <laughs> Um, All right, next up, the producers of Crazy Rich Asians, which is a romantic comedy that's coming out uh, next week, I think, actually, um, turned down a gigantic payday, in quotes, at Netflix to ensure the first Asian-American-focused studio movie in 25 years would be seen in theaters. This is literally only the second movie ever where the majority of the cast is Asian-American. Um, I think the first. What's one, the other one? The first one was some random Disney movie from like 30 years ago, 35 years ago hmm. that they say now wouldn't even be able to get made because it's not commercial enough, or that's what the director. Oh, you're talking said. about Mulan. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was this was a huge bestseller, best-selling novel. Um, they were adapting it, so they apparently it was like. Uh, I think Warner Bros was the was the company that is giving them like the big the studio release and. Um, in theaters and they told them Netflix gave them this big offer and they went back to Warner brothers and told them that. And they were like, all right, well, we're not going to change our offer. You have 15 minutes to decide. And they like called, <laughs> they called like all their lawyers, all their advisors. It was like, it was the director that was attached was John Chu. Uh, I can't think of anything else that he's directed. Uh, but then the writer of the book and like, apparently the writer of the books, like lawyer had to pull off, like on the highway was like sitting on the edge on like the shoulder of a highway on the phone. Just like texting furiously. Wow. 
I mean, it's good that they they stuck to their guns, and uh, this is going to go wide. Yeah, I don't. It, the movie doesn't look very very good to be. No, it doesn't look good. No. To be honest, mm-hmm. and I'm a I'm a big rom com fan, uh, and it just kind of looks looks kind of bland. But the the thing with this is it's kind of similar to like Love Simon, although we both really liked Love Simon. Is that yeah. like these undertold like minorities need like these kind of stories where it's not always about like their plights or like them like overcoming their 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 differences with whatever society um but they need like these kind of like stupid stories that just connect with yeah they're just crazy rich asians yeah Yeah. (laughs) whoever Uh, thought there'd be a a need for this movie but here we are Um, all right. Next up, the original Star Wars movies are blocked from the Disney streaming service until 2024. This is because of a deal that uh, they made with Turner Broadcasting uh, when they acquired the rights in 2016. Uh, Turner Broadcasting is TBS and TNT. They show all the uh, Star Wars, the older Star Wars movies on there. Um, but that doesn't run out until 2024. It's usually around Christmas, it seems like yeah. they're just showing these all the time. Yeah, they really yeah. really pump them in there. Um, but basically, Turner doesn't want to sell them back unless they get uh, other movies from Disney that they can show uh, like mm. in exchange, or they get paid like a hell of a lot of money. Which, like, if I'm Turner, that's what I'd do. Like, I assume people still oh yeah tune Hold in to on watch to those that bad stuff. Boys. Yeah, yeah. But, and I was thinking earlier when I was reading this headline, like. It blows my mind that there isn't a Disney streaming service right now. You know, it's like, yeah. How is there not like? How is it not a thing already? Like they've taken so long to get this out. Like Walmart's launching a streaming service. <laughs> like, <laughs> Amazon is crushing it in the streaming game. Where's Disney's streaming service? Well, I think the thing is, is with Disney, is they had a lot of their stuff sort of license out to Netflix or Hulu yeah. and all that stuff. Like I think the the Fox deal was the major point that they like wanted to get done before they really went full throttle into the streaming. Probably waiting for stuff to expire and yeah. stuff to make sure they do it. They come out with a splash and just get yeah. those get those users right away. Yeah. Um as a matter of fact, Ant Man is going to be the last uh Marvel movie that's on Netflix. They're they're mm. pulling them all. RIP. Yeah. Uh, next up, Rebecca Ferguson, hot off of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, has nabbed two lead roles. She's going to join Ewan McGregor in the Shining sequel Doctor Sleep from Mike Flanagan, who directed Oculus and uh, mm. Gerald's Game in like 1922, and Hush. He's directed a lot of stuff. Um, but she's going to play the main villain in that movie, and then she was also cast as a lead in the new Men in Black spinoff with Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Liam Neeson, and Emma Thompson. Um, so that's a huge cast. I don't know how they can have that many leads in that movie. Like what? Like I assume like uh, yeah. a couple of them have to be supporting. Like probably Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson are supporting characters, but like three leads. That's, that's there are three big leads. Yeah. Um, I it's turning like into an Ocean's Eleven ensemble scenario yeah. here pretty quickly. Imagine if Jonah Hill and Shannon Tatum were also attached. That'd be... Uh, we could only that, hope one something. day that we get something like that. That'd be something. Uh, but Yeah, I mean, Be- Becca, Becca Ferg coming out <laughs> hot and just getting all these leading roles. Like, good for her. She didn't even, like, do very much in Mission Impossible Fallout, to be honest. Yeah, but she's great in small doses. She kicks some so. ass when yeah. she's in there. Yeah. But um, let's see how she does with horror and comedy. Like... <laughs> She's she's just tackling genres. 
I'm still I, I feel like I just need to read what Doctor Sleep is about because like I've I've read random stuff and it's like do I like how does that make sense like this weird vampire stuff is like something that I've read I'm like oh that sounds dumb and not I'm just right. gonna read it and also I'm isn't, actually read it it's probably a good call also isn't didn't Kubrick like completely change the ending of The Shining for the movie I believe so yeah um, so who knows how they're gonna actually link it together you know because apparently I don't know enough about what it's about to, to know how yeah, they're gonna do it yeah but uh, apparently like mike flanagan the director of it is like a huge stephen king fan Sweet. and so people think like he wants to stay like true to king king's like works and like not change anything and not do like what kubrick did where like stephen king was yeah. like no i hate it um so what uh, really sucks is my favorite Stephen King book ever is well I guess not ever but one of my favorites is The Stand and the guy who directed The Fault in Our Stars owns the rights to The Stands for like the next <laughs> ten years or something and I'm like <sighs> but I read an interview and apparently he's super passionate and like wants to do it right and like will not do it unless he has a, like a huge budget for TV or movies so a lot of God the Stephen King universe has taken off and like God, it's so been much. around for a long time but there's been a lot of trash Stephen King movies. So they're they're kind of starting to do things right these days. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, all right, next up, the first picture from the upcoming Terminator reboot slash sequel um, has been released with uh, Mackenzie Davis as the lead and Linda Hamilton back as Sarah Connor and then a, another actress. Um, this has got to be one of the worst <laughs> promo pictures I've ever seen in my life. It looks I'm, like... I'm pulling it up again right now. Just <laughs> If you guys want to see it, it's on our Instagram. We were a little late posting it, but I had to post it because it was... It's it's so bad. It looks like a straight-to-Fox adaptation. Like, oh my god, it looks bad. There are two things with this um, that really bother me. One is the fact that the, the young girl, like the teenage girl on the left in the poster or in the picture... Her, her, like, arms are, like, too short for her body, it looks like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which makes me feel like they, like, photoshopped it weird. But then also, speaking of Photoshop, the entire thing looks, like, like badly photoshopped. It looks like what, like, a blog would make that, like, is trying to, like, yeah. post, like, some clickbait. Get three different pictures of them together <laughs> yeah. from, yeah. like, different movies. Posting, like, a clickbait yeah. headline and, like, a fake news story. And then they posted, like, that. And, like, they just made that in, like, ten minutes on their computer. That's what it looks also, like. Also, Mackenzie Davis's weapon is just a piece of metal. And, yeah, it just it's just generic CG gray nonsense. It just looks really bad. So, I love Mackenzie Davis. I, so, I don't know. It looks bad. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I'm not a fan. Terminator just needs to stop, but... Stop! I guess it's... <laughs> uh, next, <laughs> next up, Pirates of the Caribbean 6. Moving forward with director Joachim Roning uh, returning to the helm. He directed uh, the fifth one, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which was hot garbage. Um, Damn it. I was just going to Google him and hope that he was like part of a huge part of the early ones and that <laughs> this is a return to form and uh, it's just going to be more trash. They just like. And also, it feels like, you know, Johnny Depp's problematic now. Should they even keep bringing him back? Like, Didn't they just... They I read something else today that they just canned a movie that he was going to yep. be in with Forrest Whitaker trying to solve the mystery of Biggie's murder, and yep. they, just can, they just canceled it from coming out because he's so problematic these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, to 
to be fair, it might not just be because he's problematic, but also because the movie looks absolutely garbage. It does look very bad, yes. <laughs> um, but I assume that probably plays into it. There are people like speculating, like, oh, the, like something big is going to come out about him, and that's why they're scrapping it, because they just like want to prepare like ahead of time. I was like, I don't know if I like fully believe that, but... Um, Did you see 4 and 5? I don't think I've even seen 4 and 5. Uh, I have. The, the fourth one is... It's that had like, Penelope Cruz in it, right? Yes, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah and it's like it was like okay, it wasn't good, yeah. um, and then the fifth one was absolutely just terrible. Yeah, like Javier Bardem just like walking around with like floating hair. It was just like weird. Yeah. Like he was suspended in water. Or something. How did the CG get so much dumber and worse <laughs> in like the ten years in between that tentacle fish beard thing, which was some of the best CG I've ever seen? Yeah. I have no idea, and they just kind of lost, like, I think, I honestly, like, yeah, Jack Sparrow is, like, the very key piece to Pirates of the Caribbean, that's, like, why it was so successful, but also, I think you still need, like, Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley's characters in there, because, like, yeah. they were a good, like, base, romance, like, dramatic story to play off of, like, Johnny Depp's ridiculousness, mm-hmm. you know? But they don't have and that some in of the, the other supporting, ones. The supporting, like, zombie pirates or the <clears throat> yeah. zombie uh, people were, were funny and stuff. And his mates uh, on the ship, I don't know if they came back. But it, it just seems like they lost the magic. Mm-hmm. So. um, Yeah. It's just essentially, like, catching them check situation at this point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, last movie news story. A Supergirl movie is in the works for Warner, Warner Brothers slash DC. DC. For every movie that they produce, put another 17 in development. Um, Oren Uziel is going to be scripting this. He wrote Cloverfield Paradox, um, 22 Jump Street. Uh, Bad. Good. <laughs> he had um, he had a couple other ones. Let me... I got to find them here quick. But uh, but this is an interesting move. Like, I, I just don't... It's just like we have talked about this just ad nauseum at this point. We have no idea what DC is doing. Like, I understand, like, Supergirl is probably fine. Like, it has a successful TV show at this point, I think, on CW or CBS or one of the two. Yeah, yeah. But, like, is anyone is this Is this that character and that actress in a movie? No. Or is it a new take on Supergirl? No, it's a whole movie? whole other thing. Okay, that just blows my mind. If they already have a successful TV show and people like the girl, take that and make it a new movie. I, at this point... They're throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks, and they've given up on creating coherent universes, which I think is fine. Just take a different approach than Marvel. Um, Uziel also has a script, uh, an untitled script, with John Krasinski, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon. A collaboration, Mm. so interesting. Um, And then a Mortal Kombat script. Oh, hell yeah. And Sonic the Hedgehog. There you go. Oh, Saw some news today that Dr. Robotnik will be live action. Yeah. He will not be CG with Jim Carrey just doing the voice. So that movie's going to be terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have much to say about this, honestly. It's just like, come on. Just, <laughs> TV news. TV news. Marvel. Not FX reportedly shut down Donald Glover's Deadpool uh, animated series uh, that was supposed to air on FX. Um, so we had talked about this a couple times over the past few months past year um basically 
Donald Glover got very passive aggressive and wrote like a fake <laughs> script and was like attacking everyone that like shut it down for saying like, oh, you don't get this. You didn't know what you signed on for. John Landgraf, who runs uh, FX at uh, there was a, the TCA convention was going on this past week, which is like the Television Critics Association. Uh, he said that he was thrilled with what Don Glover was doing. He was ready to move forward. Then Marvel stepped in, said they didn't want to do it. And the moment that they said that, then Donald backed off and FX backed off. So it wasn't FX that made the decision. It was Marvel stepping hmm. in saying, we didn't want to do this. And then he said that he also thinks they're probably still going to make a Deadpool series, just not with FX and not with Donald Glover. Hmm. Well, like we said in the past, we thought it looked good visually and donald glover can clearly write some quality television so it's it's a shame um so what deep down what is the reason marvel said no just because donald glover was passive aggressive no i i don't know he didn't he didn't say which i mean would make sense you probably don't want to burn any more bridges and reveal why but yeah yeah i don't know based on my guess is it probably was too like topicals societal wise um and not like as yeah, just like yeah, stupid yeah. dumb humor as like the ron reynolds movies are you know but i don't know yeah it's a shame uh next up fargo season four gonna star chris rock and make major changes those major changes are not major changes essentially they're moving the story from like north dakota and minnesota to kansas city um the story huh. is going to center around two families, uh, an Italian family and then an African-American family that run crime organizations in Kansas City um, in the 1950s. So it's going to jump back again in time. Ooh, Jeez, we're going back even further. And uh, basically Chris Rock is going to be the patriarch of the, the one crime family. And then there's going to be the Italian family on the other side. And apparently the... Uh, both sides give their son to the other side as like a peace offering kind of thing. And it's about like mm. them raising those kids in their organizations. But then of course there's going to be Fargo shit going on. So I don't know. Yeah. We love this, uh, this series. It pays homage to the Coen brothers uh, Fargo movie. It's in that kind of universe and pulls heavily from the tone of that movie. Uh, season one. Great. Season two. Good. Season three. Season I never four, even finished hope- season three. Really? It yeah. does get a little bit better, but uh, really quality TV, so glad to see it back, and glad to see Chris Rock and something that isn't an Adam Sandler uh, thing. <laughs> True. It's an interesting move for him. Or, or voicing an animal in an animated <laughs> movie. Don't hate on Madagascar, man. Don't hate he, on it. He comes out at the Oscars like, I keep doing voices, <laughs> and people keep giving me millions of dollars. It's like he's going to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, Patrick Stewart is going to star in a new Star Trek TV series uh, on CBS All Access, uh, which already has Star Trek Discovery going. Um, He is just going to be back as his uh, Jean-Luc Picard character. All right. Yeah, Uh, this is making big waves on the net, but it doesn't really affect me. Never really watched uh, the Star Trek shows. I think you and I are both cut from the uh, the reboot only moving forward so far. Uh, Haven't even watched the new show, but I've heard good things. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it's pretty good, but also, like, CBS All Access. No one's going to pay for that. No one wants to do that. Just put it on your actual channel. Yeah. Yeah. So dumb. Uh, Yeah, I know a lot of people are really excited about this. Um I wish we could go into more detail, but we are not Star Trek show watchers. Yeah. 
Sorry. Congrats, though, if you, you were a fan of Star Trek Next Generation. Um, all right. A film based on the Black Mirror episode, uh, The Entire History of You, is in development hell again after Robert Downey Jr.'s option ran out on it. Uh, basically, whenever it premiered back in 2011, uh, would be my guess. Yep. Um, Robert Downey Jr., there was actually a huge bid for it uh, between Robert Downey Jr. and George Clooney, and Robert Downey Jr. won it and basically had it, and then this dude wrote a script for it. Uh, and Actually, the guy that... Um, shit, what did he write? Oh, he's he's like in charge of that succession show on HBO right now, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah. basically, he wrote, he, wrote a, he wrote a treatment for it, a script for it, for the movie, um, but it, it never really got off, never really started going, just because Robert Downey Jr. is pretty busy, obviously. Um, and so his option ran out, so now basically the guy was doing an interview for that Succession TV show and was like, hey, I'm actually going to plug my script for that Black Mirror episode right here if anyone is interested <laughs> and wants to option it, and we can make this movie. So basically it's just kind of stuck in limbo until someone wants to buy it and make it. Um, that's one of... <clears> that, so that's... Go ahead. That might be my favorite episode of the series if yeah, not like that's the one where they wear contacts and everything's recorded yep. and they're like people kind of think people are cheating on each other and he's like hey play back this date then where were you he's like yeah. oh you don't trust me no pl- go ahead play it back put yeah. it on the tv it's kind of a terrifying reality that uh, we all could see coming it is it is um i forget what happens at the end of it is it uh is it doesn't she uh, like uh, 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 wait, a, wait, a, wait, a, wait a, what, what are we doing we it's don't a, spoil it's like it a, for people it's who like haven't a seven year old episode People have not seen it. Trust me. <sighs> One right. of our Glitch Up founders has not seen it. <laughs> All right. Well, watch Black Mirror, guys, if you haven't yet. Yeah. If you haven't, you're, you you don't love television. Yeah. Um, okay. Last news story of the week. Glenn Howerton plays Dennis Reynolds uh, in It's Always Sunny. Has been revealed that he will be in the majority of It's Always Sunny, season 13. Yes. Um, at the end of season 12, it was kind of up in limbo. He, it was revealed that he had a kid that he didn't know about, and then it was like, oh, he's moving to North Dakota or something like that, I think, um, to raise the kid. And then something he, like that, And then yeah. Glenn Howerton also got the lead role on AP Bio, which is a series on NBC. So he was kind of taken away from that. So everyone was like, well, how, how is he going to come back? What's he going to do? And everyone was, like, lobbying against AP Bio without even watching it. Like, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah. Luckily for him, AP Bio got a season two, and he will be in the majority of It's Always Sunny season 13. So that's good. That's good news. I can't imagine Excellent It's Always Sunny news. Without, without Dennis, without the golden god. I can't either. I, As much as I don't love Frank as a character, I still can't even imagine it without him, even though there are multiple seasons without Frank. Yeah. But it's just it's just, it's just, just the gang. Like you can't, ha- you can't not have Dennis. In my mind, he's like the leader of the gang and, and really pulls the gang together. So mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't be the same without him. That's a fact. Um, all right, that is it for news this week. We got three trailers to talk about. First up is If Beale Street Could Talk. This is from Barry Jenkins, who wrote and directed Moonlight, the Best Picture winning movie from two years ago, I believe. Or that, did uh, they win? <laughs> if you guys don't remember the whole La La Land mix-up. <laughs> um Regina King stars in this, along with a couple newcomers, it seems, or at least not big names. Um, but this is uh, about... Honestly, the trailer doesn't give very much away. You're just kind of... Uh, yeah, I'm waiting in uh, 
in in limbo here waiting for you to describe it because I don't know what it's about. It looks good and yes. looks like it's going to win all the Oscars, but I cannot tell you what it's about. So it is about a a woman <laughs> a woman who is pregnant and then her 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 fiance or her significant other whatever goes to jail for some crime and I I think it's like murder. Mm. Um but she doesn't think he did it, so she's like trying to exonerate him, trying to get him out, and it's basically just like about her carrying the child while like trying to get him out before she has the kid, and just mm. like that whole thing. So it's gonna be like obviously pretty heavy, pretty dramatic. Um, I think it's actually interesting that like Regina King, who was on The Leftovers, she was on American Crime, that was on ABC. Um, she's been a bunch of other stuff. I at first like I thought that she was gonna be like the lead, but it's clear like the daughter must be the lead if like the yeah. plot is about her being pregnant and like trying to get the her husband off or fiance mm-hmm. off, you know? Yeah, it was a it was a powerful trailer. Um there was like some voiceover action going on, some really dramatic music. Looks like Oscar bait, but actually gonna be really good. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a good follow up. Uh it's based on a James Baldwin novel, and I think James Baldwin was a pretty mm famous writer or a good writer i guess i don't know i i believe you <laughs> um all right next up ozark season two the jason bateman show uh on netflix got a trailer that is actually releasing i believe at the end of this month august 31st um looks a little bit darker looks a little bit more intense looks like it's amping up the action a little bit too um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i honestly can't really remember what happened at the end of season one uh so i'm gonna have to like get a like a little recap hopefully they give me a recap like leading into the first episode of season two or something but i mean it looks good i'm hooked i i love jason baby yeah. in these like dark roles i was really late to the party on ozark so i watched it like the whole thing two months ago in the span of like a week and a half um it, i actually was conversing with somebody my age at a party once and she goes you haven't seen ozark what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> i was like Chill out, dude. Um, yeah, it looks awesome. It looks really dark. And Jason Bateman it can really play these like dark comedic roles. Like it's it's almost like a dramedy because it is really yeah. funny in times. Yeah. It's almost like um, Breaking Bad, but starting in season three where he's already a badass drug dealer. Really dark, fun show. Can't wait for season two. Yeah, that's like the that's like the favorite thing that people say about this is like originally when it started they were like oh it's like Breaking Bad like if it like was a little bit like not as prestige which is kind of true like it doesn't feel yeah. like it's like trying to go for like the prestige like emmy award winning stuff but um it's still really good and entertaining um last Agreed. trailer of the week is for maniac this is another netflix series that uh is premiering in september this is from carrie fukunaga who directed the entire first season of true detective and he was attached to direct uh it chapter one and then fell out at a certain point uh he might i think he got a partial writing credit on it um he directed beast of no beast of no nation that was a netflix movie with idris elba um but this also stars jonah hill emma stone justin thoreau sally field trying to think is there anyone else that i missed i think that's it that's that's it but the oh i mean it's the main Go writer, ahead. the main writer is Patrick Somerville, who wrote for the Leftovers. He was like the head writer or one of the head writers oh, for that. Let's so go. that's huge. This looks mind-boggling. It looks wild. It looks fantastical, but super serious and just like far out there. It's like it's like what the the 
the comparison that I'm seeing is like it's Legion, that FX show, mixed with Inception, mixed with like just mixed knows? with like the secret life of Walter Mitty. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. mixed with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, yeah. mixed with the leftovers. Like it looks bonkers. And I'm just gonna consider it a super bad sequel. <laughs> Um, but, uh, to give you a quick rundown, if you don't feel like looking it up right now, or if you're probably still confused from the trailer, I guess, uh, basically Emma Stone and Jonah Hill are put in like this mental institute hospital kind of thing, it seems like, but it's like kind of mm-hmm. futuristic, but also old timey looking, um, sort of dystopian, I guess would probably be the right term. And Justin Thoreau is like a scientist that is developing this way to like cure their mental illness or something like that, or like their unhappiness or depression or something. And Sally Fields is like the... I don't know, the headmaster or whatever it is, whoever's running the show. Um, but it sounds mm-hmm. like just throws failed quite a bit and he puts them into this and they like enter in like these weird worlds. We see like Emma Stone and like some Lord of the Rings ass looking thing. She's and... looking, she comes up looking like Legolas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jonah Hill has like a mullet at one point. Like he's in the nineties with like a kids around his He table. also turns into like a giant man, yeah. like bumbling around a city. Yeah. It looks bizarre. But it looks like it's going to be a visual spectacle, and yes, like at the very least, it'll just be amazing to look at. It's probably immediately up in our like top three most anticipated TV shows right oh, now. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! yeah. Um, all right, that is it for trailers this week. We are bringing back what you're watching. It's been a. We it's actually a had a request time. to bring back what you're watching. Yeah. People like hearing what we're what we recommend. We're we're gonna spend less time like shitting on bad things <laughs> and just tell you what we like and what and recommend. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Andy, what have you uh, what have you been watching? So I watched Tully. Did you watch Tully starring Charlize Theron and mm-hmm. Mackenzie Davis? No, I have not. I've heard it's very good. I just don't know if I have it in me to really. It is be very good. Jason Reitman, I believe, who did Juno and Up in the Air yeah. and Thank You for Smoking and something else um, with Charlize Theron, young adult. Um, it was really good. Really good dramedy, and um, he kind of. If you can think back to Juno when it kind of went a different direction than you were expecting towards mm. like the last act, kind yeah. of pulls one of those too, so it keeps you on your toes. I highly recommend it. Uh, what else you've been watching? We'll go back uh, and forth. I went and saw Sorry to Bother You, which has been sort of like a hot indie movie in the past couple months, um, starring Lakeith Stanfield, uh, who was in who's in Atlanta. Uh, he was in Get Out. He was the he was the first. He was like the black guy that freaked out at the the camera flashing. Um, he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he was in the Death Note <laughs> movie on Netflix. Oh yeah. Um, but Tessa Thompson is in this. Terry Crews is in it for like a little bit. Stephen Yeun is in this. Um, Danny Glover's in this. This movie is bonkers. And when I was sitting there, it it goes to a place, fucking no one could have expected there were like people there's people on the, like the reddit thread they're like oh yeah i totally i picked up on that i was like no you did not there's no way yeah. anyone picked up on any of this i was like maybe like the second time you watched it you're like oh i see how they were laying that out but it was like there's no way anyone could have suspected what would what they were doing i don't quite know if like what they do works perfectly but everything outside of it is like a just like a great metaphor and like dialogue on just how society is running right now, what corporations are doing and just sort of like how certain factions of society are held down. So it's like really good in that sense. It's pretty entertaining, somewhat funny. It's absurd as hell. It's not, it's definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but, um, 
great performances, and there should there should have been more Terry Crews. I'll just say that. I just wish there was more Terry. So Crews. let's let's do quick ratings. Tully, I'll give a B plus. What about Sorry to Bother You? I think I'm also gonna give it a B plus. Nice. When I came out of the theater, I was at like a B minus. But the more I thought about it, the more I really <laughs> it was liked a it. Thinker. Yeah. The more. Nice. I, yeah. The more I really liked it. So yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna go on to my next one, which is Super Troopers Two, which I turned off in the middle of the movie. I give it an <laughs> F plus, and no one should watch this movie. It is a disgrace to the first one. Have you seen it? No, I've not. I've seen neither. Oh my goodness! Definitely watch Super Troopers One. Skip Super Troopers Two. Come at me if you liked it. Um, but God, I, I could not, I couldn't even keep it going. Um, what, uh, what else have you been watching? Uh, the only other thing really, I've been, I've been lacking on watching like TV stuff and I haven't really been like watching movies that I missed. Uh, so all I've, all else I've got is truth or dare, which was oh that, <laughs> which is that was the giant weird smiles one. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. The uh, oh. blue, uh, Blumhouse's truth or dare. Um, yeah, as a matter yeah. of fact, yeah. Uh, so this came out like April and did not do very well. Um, actually, it probably did decent at the box office to be honest, because it's just like that. Because it cost a hundred dollars to make. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this movie is the perfect movie to throw on if you're having a few drinks and like not want to pay attention, but like kind of want to pay attention and just make just fun of everything that happens. I can't tell you how many jokes I had like ready to go. There, like. There were so many just, like, bad moments and stuff to make fun of that, like, I would throw a joke out, and I have three more ready to go about that, but then something else stupid would happen, and I'd be like, oh, shit, I can't say those <laughs> other jokes. I gotta focus on that. It's, oh, like, that boy. bad. It is so absolutely stupid. Um, yeah, that, that, movie's like a, that movie's, like, a D, but, like, how much fun you can have with it is, like, an A+. Okay. Plus. <laughs> wow. I will, uh, I'll save it for one of those exact nights. <laughs> My last recommendation, if you're missing Game of Thrones, is to go to HBO Go and throw on the show Rome. It was really good. It lasted for two seasons. It did get canceled, but they told them it'd get canceled, so they were able to wrap it up. And it kind of was Game of Thrones before its time. A lot of politics, um, big set pieces, big battles, character studies, and uh, I'd recommend it. So Rome on HBO. Highly recommended. Nice. Uh, All right. So that is it. That hit. Oh, my Lord. That is it for what you're watching. Uh, next up, we have our Like Father review. So, Like Father dropped on Netflix on this past Friday. Uh, it stars Kristen Bell, uh, Kelsey Grammer, Seth Rogen. That's about it. Um, Kristen Bell is... I don't think I have any spoilers for this, really, I guess. So, do you? Not really, no. high-level impressions. Yeah. Uh, so Kristen Bell is a like just like a workaholic at her job. It basically opens on her wedding day. Um, you kind of get the sense right off the bat that she has this sort of estranged relationship, estranged relationship with her dad, Kelsey Grammer, and uh, then her groom calls off the wedding, uh, and then she gets wasted with her dad, and they end up going on the honeymoon cruise that she had planned together. Um, and the big part of it is that she's an insane like workaholic, and that kind of comes into play a lot. And yeah, kind of glued to her cell phone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so then whatever they end up on this, and it's basically just about them trying to you know rekindle that relationship and fix that relationship that you know might have gotten messed up for certain reasons, might have been justified, whatever. 
um, Seth Rogen's in it for like a little bit. I was surprised he wasn't in mm-hmm. it very much. It's actually directed by his wife. It's like her first yeah. time directing. Um, I, I Googled her and looked her up, and she actually cameos in the movie somewhere. It's like uh, blinking, blinking, you miss it. But she, <laughs> she, I think she wrote, directed, and cameos in it. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, yeah. So it's it's like an okay movie. I think I think it is. I think it is the exact definition of okay. It's like, I wasn't like super mad that I had it on, but I wasn't like super thrilled. It was just kind of like, I didn't have anything else to do. So like, it was fine with me that I was watching it. Yeah. There were some funny moments. There was some stuff that like, I was just like, okay, whatever. I think they hit the emotional beats pretty well, to be honest. But like the laughs weren't like raucous laughs or anything. So it was was much more serious at times than I thought. And at a certain point it goes like straight serious for like the last... 40 minutes and i was like oh mm-hmm. all right i think the word that I, I can is just on my tongue right now is it was inoffensive like it mm. was it i wasn't pissed that i watched it i wasn't thrilled that i watched it uh it was a movie we've all seen before with uh you know father daughter kind of rekindling um but it, it was it was all right it was fine they had good chemistry Kristen bell yeah. and fraser yeah, yeah. <laughs> fraser yeah they did um or, or beast <laughs> Beast. Yes, his more famous role, Beast. Yes, yes. <laughs> I. Uh, it was fine. It was like as basic as it can get. It's you can throw it on and you're not gonna be mad. I think. Yeah, and I actually I actually kind of like the supporting characters. The, it can get kind of old. It kind of felt like they were going like couples retreaty with it. Uh, that yeah. Vince Vaughn movie mm-hmm. where they kind of had like just like a bunch of couples that were supposed to be like kind of like ridiculous in their own ways, um, to play off of like the main two, but. I actually kind of like enjoyed them. Uh, the one dude is uh, he's on Broad City. He's Trey. I think he also writes for it. He was in Rough Night, that yes. god awful movie. But he like he was pretty funny. Um, him and like whoever like was playing his partner was pretty funny. Um, and they didn't like go too like like annoying, flamboyant, stereotypical kind of stuff with that relationship too. So I think that worked. They didn't like play up like the the black couple as being like super whatever. So like they it was like you said it was inoffensive. They didn't like go super stereotypes yeah. with like all the jokes and stuff. Some of the jokes were predictable. Like when they're so there's a there's a point where when they're doing like like a honeymooner game on stage like in front of the whole cruise ship, and uh, Kelsey Grammer is like backstage and he says like oh well we're gonna answer like these four things for answers no matter what like as long as they seem like applicable just say like these things and you're like oh so they're like obviously it's not gonna be those direct questions that he examples it's gonna be like sort of ridiculous stuff and like all those weren't very funny but it was also kind of like kind of saw that coming yeah 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 um again it didn't really slap (laughs) me in the face either way like i'm so like i have so few notes on this um, I thought it was funny that Seth Rogen plays someone that has never smoked anything in his entire life. I thought that was like, his wife was probably like, wouldn't it be funny if we put this as a small line that your character says? Like somebody offers him, his, him weed and he's like, I've never smoked anything in my entire life. <laughs> and, but actually he's Canadian. So he's like, I'm sorry, I've never smoked. So he was fine, but he was barely in it. I thought yeah. from the trailer he'd be in it more. Yeah. Um, supporting characters. Yeah, they were. They were there. Yeah. And it's funny. I really, I, I like Trey the most, but I completely forgot that he was in it. <laughs> yeah. It's like they were fine, but still semi-forgettable. Um, all right. Should we give it a grade? Let's, let's just talk about what, what's the scenario that you put this movie on. I watched it drinking some wine with the wife. Um, well, that's a good way I think to she, I think she might've cried. I can't remember. 
No, I can see that. Maybe uh, I can yeah. see that happening. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I, I would say that's probably the ideal situation to put it on. It's not really a rom com, though. I no, it is not. I watched not it all. Friday after work, like literally, I got home from work and it was like kind of like cloudy and rainy outside, and I was like, I don't have anything else to do right now. Also, I don't want to go run errands, so I'm just gonna throw it on and just kind of sit yeah. here. And it was like, to be honest, I looked at my phone a lot while oh, the yeah. movie was on. Oh yeah, yeah kind of bored. But uh, but yeah, no, it's like a good thing. Like if you're just like kind of laying back, or if you're just like chilling, and you like want to have a conversation with someone while a movie is, you on. know what the plot is yeah. while it's unfolding. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's gonna hit you in the face and go, "Wow, didn't see that coming." You defined this movie as average, and I'm guessing you're gonna give it a C because that's what I'm giving it. <laughs> That is, yeah, I would get, yeah, I'll give it a C, but I'll give it's it a C, a C plus. Yeah. I'll give it a C plus. Oh, what, what, what made it a C plus? What, what? I don't want to, I don't want to have the plus. same grade as you. <laughs> that is not a good reason. Make it a minus. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, let's talk about Sharp Objects. Sharp, Sharp Objects is on HBO. It is through its fifth episode now. Um, stars Amy Adams and P- Patricia Clarkson. And Chris Messina and some other like random supporting characters or supporting actors that you've seen around. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is based on a Gillian Flynn novel. Gillian Flynn wrote Gone Girl. Um, she helped write the last two episodes, I believe, of this little miniseries here, and then sort of contributed like producing. Obviously, uh, it's directed by. Um, God, I always forget his name. The dude that directed All Big Little Lies. He directed Wild. He directed Dallas Buyers Club. Um, Jean-Marc Vallée, that's his name. Uh, It's about a journalist that goes back to her hometown because there has been uh, a couple kidnappings um, and potentially killings of two young girls, like middle school girls, right? I think that's their age. I have, like, no... like We'll get to this, but, like, the ages of girls in this show so confused on what's going on i don't have a clue um but she has a contention it's like this just like kind of like old southern town confederate town um she has traditions yeah kind of a very close-knit town yeah some very strange characters yeah um Amy Adams' character has some has some mental health problems uh she's an alcoholic she used to like self-harm um her mom is just like uh, I don't God. know a cold-hearted woman would be a she soft could way to be put she she is the Cersei Lannister of this show she <laughs> could be my most hated character in any TV show like within the four episodes that we've watched she she's gonna win an Emmy for this oh yeah and uh, yeah so basically it's it's a lot about that dynamic uh, she also has a younger sister. Potentially, um, uh, that yeah. is, uh, whatever she, she lost a sister when growing up. Um, mm-hmm. that was a whole, that's a whole traumatic thing. You find out right away. So not a spoiler. Um, but a lot going on in this Christmas plays the detective from out of town. So people don't really like him. People are getting mad that things haven't been solved. Uh, you get all like the usual kind of, Oh, like, like, Oh, the one girl's dad is a suspect. Oh, the girl's brother is a suspect. That kind of it's, stuff. It's a bit of a whodunit. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the best way I could describe it right now is big little lies meets true detective because there's mm-hmm. some real dark uh, undertones to the show, but it's, it's in a town that everybody kind of gossips and, and has their clicks and everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's really that, enjoyable. That is, a, yeah, no, that is a fantastic way to put it. As a matter of fact, the latest episode, one, the latest episode is like a five out of five for me. 
it was just an outstanding mm-hmm. hour of television. But two, the latest episode really shines through because it's centered on like this big festival party kind of thing, which is reminiscent of like the final episode of Big Little Lies. And like this dude just excels at like showing tension, showing like inner character relationships just through like random looks and random shots and just sort of like sets the tone and really sets the scene at these parties. I don't know what it is, but this dude just like makes incredible party he, scenes. He does these things with the camera that like he shows a character and you know who the character's looking at and then he'll like he'll zoom in and kind of show you, "Oh, this guy just kind of checked out her ass. Like yeah. there must be something there." Like it just shows people just doing these glances and you know there's just drama between them or unspoken words and like they want to freaking kill each other right now. That episode was very, very intense. Mm-hmm. But like all the imagery was happy. Like it was a happy festival, yeah. but yeah. just the cuts that he was doing was mm-hmm. making me like, somebody's gonna kill somebody right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was a it was a tense hour. Um and he, I think even more so, part of the reason that it works so well is because of like this town is so messed up that the town like celebrates like this woman getting raped like back yeah. in the eight, during the civil war or something as like their big crowning achievement or something like that and like that is like they like put on a play and it's essentially like that happens in it with like whatever middle schoolers like performing it and it's like that is such like a sinister thing but everyone is like looking on like oh this is like an awesome thing and they're like they're actually celebrating it like getting drunk watching it having a huge old time but then he you know he he sets it around like all these like terrible relationships that everyone has with each other and these like everyone suspecting someone else of doing something bad and it's just like that sort of like juxtaposition just blows it out of the water um, I think that's part of the fun is, is as you meet these people in the town and learn about them and learn their intentions and their relationships, you kind of start to figure who who's involved in this. Is this a giant cover up? Is it, yeah. is it you know, is it the cop? Is it the, the brother of the, 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 the daughter that died? It really is a whodunit, but like with a lot more, a lot more layers to it. It is not a show that you want to watch Sunday hungover, you know, when you're on your phone, you got to watch because they are flashing back literal seconds of yep. flashbacks all episode long and you, you really got to watch to to put this this all together so it re- re- requires your full attention <laughs> yeah um i'm trying to think outside of that should do you have anything like non-spoiler non-theory like that you else that you want to talk about uh, Amy Adams is is ugly hot in this still. Like they make her ugly and they make her like wear all black and look hungover and stuff, but like she still looks hot. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think uh, her sister Emma is a she's she's killing it. She's a great little actress, I think. Oh yeah. Because I can't tell if she's batshit insane <laughs> or <laughs> like the sweetest girl ever. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot to say this. I don't. I it took me until this episode. We're five episodes in to find out that her character is supposed to be in eighth grade. What? I figured she was at least like a senior in high school. That's what I thought Good too. God, but apparently she's like an eighth grader. Uh, the the substances that she's abusing, I didn't go anywhere near. <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> around what that time. What are these time. kids doing in eighth grade? Uh man, this town is messed up, and this show is messed up, but it it is good. Um. Can we can we say who we think did it so far or no? Do should we should we hold on that? I think we. How about we say skip ahead thirty yeah. seconds? Yeah. So as of now, skip ahead thirty seconds. Theories about who done it. I'm going with the girlfriend of the brother of the latest girl who died. Ooh, 
I like that one. The one that was I, mad that she didn't use the, yeah. the puff piece about her. Okay, like that, you go. We got like about 15 one, seconds. I like that one, but I think it's too easy. I think she just, like, wants to be known about something, so she just wanted her shit used. I really want seconds. I, I really want to say uh, it's the mom, but I don't think it's the mom. I think it's the sister and her friends. Okay. Okay. All right. Hopefully you guys didn't hear anything. We've got our theories. Uh, highly recommended show. I'm having a blast watching it. Yeah. I'm, We're I, trying to keep things high level, not spoil the episodes, just kind of general impressions. Yeah. Uh, next up, Castle Rock. Castle Rock is in the sort of any Stephen King universe. There's a ton of Stephen King Easter eggs and references um, in little imagery that you see. Um, this is about uh, a kid, essentially. I think they just literally just call him kid. I think that's his. They call him the kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is found in uh, in Shawshank, the prison. In this, like, hidden, in this this uh, abandoned ward or section of the prison, uh, locked in a cage. Basically, he's, like, super weird. He, like, doesn't talk. He only says one thing, and he says this name, and it's the name of Andre Holland. Uh, he was in Moonlight. He was in The Nick. Uh, he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but he is, like... He's he, in Leftovers? Yeah. Oh, was he? No, he was not. Mm-hmm. Andre Holland yes, was not he was. in Leftovers. No, he was not. He, what is wrong with you? He was the dad. That's in, not of him. Of the black family. No, that's not him. All right, continue while I look it up. That's not him. You're thinking of Kevin Carroll Lynch? Or no, that's not his name. Something like that is the dude's name. But anyways, uh, he that this this guy is a lawyer. He lives in Texas now. He's like a death row lawyer. Uh, but he used to live there. He has this whole past where he went missing or was maybe kidnapped. One of this something going on there that we're still learning about uh, as the show goes on. Uh, but he comes back basically to represent this kid. Uh, there's like a whistleblower within the within the prison that like wants to shine a light on all the shitty stuff that happens in there. There's some other supernatural stuff that might be going on. Um, there is a lot of threads going on in this show. Um, what do you think about Castle Rock? I think it is a love letter to Stephen King's history and uh, universe that he's built up. And it's kind of the Fargo of the of the um, uh, of the you know TV shows compared to the Stephen King universe. It's not taking direct stories; it's taking influences from Stephen King, characters from Stephen King, uh, similar vibes of Stephen King stories, and just making new stories out of it. Some people are saying it's a Pennywise origin story because uh, Skarsgård, the guy who played Pennywise, is in this movie, and you know is not a nice dude as of now. Or I guess we're not sure of that yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm having fun watching it as a as a Stephen King lover, and he's my favorite uh, author. So I know I've read a ton of his books. So I'm having probably more fun than you are watching this. Um, yeah, it's not a bad show. Um, I think it's fine. I think uh, this is my main problem with it. There is so much potential with what's going on here. But they have they have too many threads going. They have too many characters that they're trying to develop. Too many characters that we're trying to learn about their past while we try and figure out what's going on right now. They need to pick something. They need to pick three char- the, the the very main characters: the kid, the lawyer. That's about it. Tell me about them. Let me know about his past. I don't need to know about everyone else. What's going on with them in the past and stuff like that. I really don't care about that. And that's sort of what my problem is with it, is it's taking too long to just get into what, like, they hook you right away with this weird stuff going on. You see John Locke fucking 
rip his head off with a rope in a car to like start the thing out and you're like wow that's dark that's shocking and then we find this kid locked away and it's like all right there's your hook there's your main storyline we get the we get the supplemental storyline with the lawyer and then it's all about like all this other shit that's going on too and i just like don't it moves too slow it's like overwritten at times where it's like too expository too like descriptive about shit that used to happen that they could say much quicker or show you quicker it's just like i just want to get it moving along and i i want to know i want to see more of like the supernatural elements or like the weird like cosmic elements or whatever you want to call it um instead of like worrying about prison brutality like i don't care that much about that well, I think I, I gave you a movie recommendation a while back, and I told you it was a slow burn. You said, I'm sick of slow burns, and and this, this show is a slow burn, and I'm fine with it. I like the pace. I like the world building. I like the multiple threads. Clearly, they're going to come together. Obviously, yeah. it might take – I don't know how many episodes this run is. Ten? I think it's ten, yeah. And we're already at four, so it's they'll probably start moving a little quicker, and uh, and we'll see what's going on. I think the Pennywise origin story is – or origin or sequel or whatever it is is – I, I don't think it could if no. if they were gonna do that, they would market the shit out of it yeah. coming off the success yeah. of it. So but it's got some similar vibes. There's there's some balloons in some episodes. So um Stephen King's my favorite author. I'm gonna have a blast just kind of seeing all the little um Easter eggs and everything. So I'm having fun with it. And it really is dark and dreadful and, and dreary and I think it's it's more fun than I've had watching any season of American Horror Story in a long time. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. Um did all you right. see the latest episode? Yes, I did. Yeah, I've seen it all. That that ending. Yeah, it ends. It ends pretty, pretty shocking, pretty brutal stuff. Um, I'd say give it four episodes. If you're still not bought into kind of what what what's going on, then yeah, drop it. I still, honestly, even after that ending, I was like, all right, whatever. Oh, I thought it was an awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, is there any any theory, any spoiler stuff that you want to really get to with this? I can't really think. Um, of. No, because it's it, it, like you said, it's a lot going on, yeah. and I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what's yeah. going on here. But but I'm enjoying it. All right, uh, then last up for you guys this week, we are going to talk about Who Is America, Sasha Baron Cohen's new show on Showtime. Sasha Baron Cohen played Borat, Bruno, um, he's got Ali G, uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, basically, this is about him trolling America and the idiots that we are in it. Um, <laughs> Basically, just sort of, he plays four different characters. He plays this, like, super, super liberal uh, NPR host. He plays this ex-Massad agent. It's, like, a, a ridiculous name. Like, I'm here to heal the divide. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, an ex-Massad agent. Iran uh, Mossad. This, this, uh, this, like, diabetes-ridden, scooter-riding southern guy. Um, and then a... Although I don't even know, I think he might have just only been in one episode. Is like this ex criminal or ex con that makes art with like shit. Well, yeah, and then in the latest one, there was a strange YouTube unboxer German guy. Yeah. Wait, did you see the latest one? Yet? I didn't watch the latest one yet. Okay. He he brings in another. I think there's a couple one-off characters, but the main three I think are the NPR crazy yeah. liberal, um, the Al Mossad, and uh, the the Trump scooter man. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, it basically made huge waves right off the bat because uh, I think in the first episode he's uh, he's with Dick Cheney, right? And he's signing like uh, he asked Dick Cheney to sign like his waterboard kit. Dick Cheney does that. 
in another episode, he has a uh, now ex Georgia congressman um, just doing the most absurd things. Like I don't even want to say the things that he was saying. Yeah, because th- we'll keep this podcast R, but not offensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just says some really bad things that like he gets led into. But like, if you're a congress, if you're a decent person, you're not going to say that stuff, even if you're led into it. Um, he basically tricks a bunch of, uh, right-wing gun nuts into doing, like, a fake ad for, uh, supplying kids with guns and train, training toddlers. Kindergartners. Yeah, preschoolers, kindergartners, toddlers with guns. Um, basically, it's, like, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there is some, there, I think, actually, honestly, one of my favorite segments is when he's, like, the left-wing, uh, NPR guy, and he goes Mm -hmm. to, uh, Republican uh, is she a congresswoman? I don't think she's a congresswoman, but she's like a Republican representative or something in her husband's house, and they're having dinner, and he just says like the most weird stuff, and they like actually hear him out, and like yeah, the, the woman is like sometimes like the man, the husband is like tries like starts <laughs> oh, yeah. to say something, she's like no no hear him out hear him out hear him out well we, we, yeah we he's um <laughs> he he's explaining that he he doesn't like letting the the female stop her her periods and lets her free flow, and he makes the uh, his son. P sitting down and makes the his daughter P standing up to yeah. swap gender roles and you know he wants to make sure that they're doing that so he he watches them while they pee and he's like sir you watch them while they pee and she's like honey please hear him out <laughs> I, yeah I think I think it's good that he puts in the trolling that doesn't work sometimes because yes. it shows that on both sides there are still reasonable people yeah but boy does he bring out the extremes currently only on one side yeah he uh. Yeah, Bernie Sanders didn't fall for his shit when he had his interview with him. But then mostly. again, Dick Cheney didn't really bite on a lot yeah, either. No, 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 no. Um, a lot of it is just sort of like a play on on words and a like a sort of like double entendres and stuff like that that kind of trips people up with. But like the way that he says it, because like he's supposed to be foreign or something or have like this bad accent and like or be stupid or ridiculous, sort of trips people up and they just like kind of agree to it, probably because they're uncomfortable too. Um, and just like kind of like go along with it at the time. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Basically, there's like a stand. I, I would say like each episode, there's like one standout, like not skit, but standout mm-hmm. segment that I think really elevates it. And then the rest is just kind of like, okay, all right. Well, I guess this is here. I don't know if I'm yeah, necessarily laughing. It's, it's usually cringing mostly. Yes. Yeah, it's usually one that makes you laugh at how racist bigoted or stupid the person is and then the rest are just like oh my god he is all in on this joke and it's so cringy to watch yeah um i think my favorite segment so far is the kingman arizona mosque scene he basically goes to this very redneck town who hates muslims tolerates blacks and proposes the biggest and most expensive mosque in the world and uh, all hell breaks loose he starts showing them images of what their main street would look like with Muslims all over it. And they just start freaking out and, uh, start singing Muslim music to them. And, um, he goes, the, the audience goes, boy, I know now why you told us to check our weapons at the door. Cause you start spouting off stuff like that. You're going to have problems. It was, it was cringeworthy, but funny, but also kind of depressing. Yeah. There, yeah. There's some stuff that's just kind of like, ugh, just really makes you lose faith. Um, and just humanity. Um, People have been, from the start, trying to, like, sue him, trying to sue Showtime, trying to sue the production, trying to, like, you know, 
you ready to see dra- that Sarah Palin segment? Yeah, Sarah Palin is the big one. Even before the first episode even aired, she started doing damage control. So who knows what that is? There's a rumor. I shouldn't say there's a rumor. There's theories popping up that, like, he is – the, the final thing that they're going to show is that he's, like – he created the QAnon thing, which is apparently some, like, weird, like, uh, conspiracy thing that's going on mm. that, like, right-wing people and, like, conspiracy theorists are picking up on and acting like uh, – all this is what I read is it's so just bad and ridiculous. It's like uh, all of um, like former president, like Democratic presidents and Democratic representatives uh, are a part of like a worldwide child pedophilia ring or something like that. And the U.S. military brought in Trump to bring them down or to bring it down. <laughs> Otherwise, they were going to rebel. And people are, like, picking it up and, like, believing, like, that's what's going on. And, like, a theory is that Sasha Baron Cohen just created (laughs) that. And, like, QAnon is the person or group behind this that, like, started the theory. So everyone's like, it's probably, it might be Sasha Baron Cohen. (laughs) I I wouldn't put that sort of uh, just nonsense past. And, like, the the lengths that he goes to to orchestrate some of these things. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him. Um do you think the most obscene one and the most insane one was people holding a quinceanera to trap Mexicans because they believe that a quinceanera is where Mexicans rape 15-year-old girls on their quinceanera? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. I was like... Absolutely the most bonkers. I was cringing. Yeah. I was laughing. I was ashamed at what I was watching. I, yeah, oh. I, like... a. A grown, a middle-aged man dresses up as a little girl in that episode or in that segment, and it's just like because he's so desperate to bag and tag Mexicans and get them off, yeah, our soil. Unbelievable, such ridiculous stuff. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't even know what else to say. It's it, just, it's, it's out of nowhere become the most culturally relevant show and yeah. is just making huge waves. <laughs> I can't wait for the rest of the season. I imagine they're saving Palin and some some pretty big bombs to drop. No no pun intended towards the last episode or so. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> <laughs> all right. God. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, we have persuaded you to check out a couple of these shows, or I guess maybe potentially avoid or them. Skip I don't, them. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> um, maybe maybe you'll check out like Father on a on a night where you're just chilling and. Having a having a drink, or with your, skip it with and know boo. that you've missed nothing. Yeah, <laughs> your life won't change either way. Um, <laughs> yeah. We will be back next week with a review of the Meg. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't. I couldn't be more excited. I'm pumped. Um, it's, it's finally time. <laughs> uh, we'll hopefully have that to you by midweek next week. Um, you're visiting me this week in Minneapolis. I'm coming to, I'm coming to tear up Mini. We're, we're almost definitely de- – there's no way we're going to record, so it's definitely no. not going to be out on Monday. So, yeah, it'll be midweek. Uh, thank you for listening again. Remember to subscribe and review on whatever podcast listening platform you have. Uh, like, comment, share on social media. Uh, check out Glitchup.com for any new stuff we put up there, which – Hopefully we'll have new stuff soon, and uh, yeah. Oh, we got a least least wanted Smash Bros. characters coming soon. There's Ooh. a Smash Bros. event coming, I think, tomorrow, and we're going to coincide it with that. So Nice. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week with uh, Jason Statham, Megalodon Talk. Bye.